keep blessing his people. This morning, if you turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 15. We're going to finish the chapter this morning in a study that I've entitled Paul's Power in Prayer. Paul's Power in Prayer. And just like the first 13 verses, so the last uh, nine verses form a single sentence. It is the second longest sentence found in the Greek language in your Bible. And so I believe this chapter uh, ordained of the Lord with some tremendously important things that we need to know. And, and I want to remind you that we have recorded in Scripture the prayers of an awful lot of people, including the Lord Jesus himself. Amen? Now, I want you to just focus in on that one while I tell you that we have the prayer of Paul. We have several of them. We have the prayer of Nehemiah. We have the prayer of Daniel, which we've looked at. Wherever you find God's people who are powerfully used of the Lord, you find them in prayer. Wherever you find God's people who are powerfully used of the Lord, you find them in prayer. Without prayer, you will not have power. It's an impossibility. Because power comes through prayer. It comes by the Holy Spirit, but we have to ask for it. It's one of those things that I think we forget to do. I know I do at times, even as a pastor. There are times when I'm sitting there and Satan's just racking my mind with thoughts, and I stop and I haven't even asked God what he wants. I haven't even sought him about his position on whatever it is that I'm thinking. And I don't know if you all do this, but I do this. Sometimes I get so far down the road in my thought processes that I've already come to a conclusion and I end up having to go back to God to unwind what I've already figured out. Amen? And so it's very important that we are people of prayer. If we want God's purposes and His plans and His places and provisions and prosperity and protection and promises and peace, all those P words, okay? You can probably come up with a few more, but if you want those things in your life, you need to pray. And if you don't pray, don't be surprised if your life is lacking power. God wants us to talk to Him. He has the answers. He delights to give them. Ask Him and see what He does. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we, we do come. And Lord, as Your children as part of your adopted family, as your wonderfully blessed kids who one day will inherit all these amazing blessings and finality. God, we just ask of you this morning to open our hearts and our minds that we might hear from heaven. God, we need to know what you want from us, how you want us to live our lives, where you want us to be, what you want us to do. God, we ask you and invite you now to speak to us through the power of your word. Holy Spirit, come and inhabit our praises. Lord, may we be praiseworthy in the way we live our lives. We bless you. We thank you. We ask you now to do these things according to your will. It's in Jesus' name we pray them. Amen. Verse 15, and I'm going to read these first few verses from the New Living Translation. And it says there, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. And so Paul gets a good report. And this is not just of Ephesus. It is of people everywhere who love the Lord. In other words, the church is being used. The church has a stellar witness. It, it's one of those things that 
Uh, I often get regarding this church. People go, I just can't believe it. We just did another food ministry. And, and as I hear those things, I get that from people in town. As you gather together with the ladies, I get word from people in town. I, I hear of the blessings of the things that God's doing in this ministry. And, and then I'm encouraged the same way Paul is now going to move to encourage the church. I have not stopped thanking God for you. You know, one of the things that's been a blessing of being here is I have a desk pad, and on that desk pad I keep a prayer list. And sometimes it's on the edge, and sometimes it's on a separate piece of paper. But I have that opportunity to be reminded to thank God for what he's doing in this church. For you, for your families, for your children, for the victories that we see, for the power that's revealed from heaven in the lives of the church. Sometimes I think we forget to be people of praise. We're so busy with the problems, we forget to be people of praise. We're so concerned for the difficulty that we forget the wonders of the way the Lord has worked in our lives and the things that he does for us every day that we don't even really stop to think about. You ever thought about when you get up in the morning, you, you, you don't need to be jump-started? You know, like our cars after they sat outside when it's, you know, well below freezing and the battery's dead. Aren't you thankful that the Lord just starts you up every single morning? It's your heart beats with you don't have to go in there. Where's the owner's manual? You know how we are with our snow blowers at the beginning of the season? We, we, the last snowstorm, you're so thankful it's gone. You put the blower away. You don't even think about it. And then you go to fire it up the first snowstorm of the following season and just like, oh man, what, how do I do this? And which belt's supposed to go where? And the Lord does so many things for us automatically because we're his kids. He says, I've not stopped thanking God for you and I pray for you constantly. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in the knowledge of God. And so Paul gets really specific here. And I want you to notice this. Not really lengthy. Can I tell you there's a difference between the two? God knows what's on your heart and what's on your mind, but he does want us to be specific in our prayer life. We don't need to be lengthy. You can pray while you're driving. You can pray while you're eating. You can pray while you're studying. You're perfectly capable of entertaining in the spirit realm a conversation with God while doing other things. As a Christian, yes, indeed, you can multitask. You can do it. When we talk constantly, you know, some people have come, well, you know, I don't have time to do that. You don't have time to not pray. If you're not asking God what he thinks and what he wants, then you're missing the one opinion that matters. Yes, it's important that we discuss things with our spouses. Yes, it's a good thing to have family time with your whole family and talk about those things in the family. But have you asked God? And you can do that while you're doing other things. Now, I'm not encouraging you to boil your prayer life down to firing off bullets to heaven while you're engaged in other things. But I am saying that in the sense that he says constantly here, he's not talking about stopping and dropping to your knees every time you think of something. That can be dangerous on the freeway. 
I'm just going to close my eyes. I actually had a guy one time because we were, we were kind of late and we picked up some drive-through food and I don't eat food without praying for it. I just don't, period. End of conversation. I don't have a cup bearer to taste my food, so I figure the guy at McDonald's may not have my best interest in mind. Let's pray over it. At least it will be safe. So I am, I'm praying it. And he looked at me. He was, you're not going to close your eyes. I said, I'm driving. I think God hears my prayer even when my eyes are open. I'm pretty sure. And so it says here in the New King James, Therefore also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you in making mention of you in my prayers. He's really saying, you know what, we ought to know, and unfortunately, even though we know it, we don't do it. Number one, the body of Christ is made up of more than just us. Amen? Not just this church. It's everybody who names the name of Christ. And we need to be thankful for the various parts of the body of Christ. And sometimes I think we forget and we kind of act like we're the only church in town or we're the only church that's doing it right. Beloved, that's not true. Nor should it be in our hearts and our minds that it is. There are many wonderful things being done by all kinds of Christians all over the world, and we each have our own little place, but we have a smaller place in the bigger body of Christ. And so Paul says, and broaden your prayer list is the first thing that we can look here. Broaden your prayer list. Look at your prayer list and go, is this part of all the saints? You, you see, you should have certainly specific prayers. If you're not praying for your kids and you have children, Shame on you. If you're not praying for your spouse and you're married, shame on you. If you're looking for a spouse and you're not praying, shame on you. You see, what's being said here is we need to pray about everything. Amen? Everywhere and in all situations. As we pray, there should be nothing left out of your prayer life. And I realize that seems like a tall order, and it quite certainly, for most of us, is a real change in the way we live our lives. Because in our culture, we have been taught to be self-dependent. Actually, self-exalting is a better way to look at it. We live in the land of exaltation of self, importance of self. We need to be concerned with what God thinks first and foremost. And so our list should be broad. It is God's power that we want to bring to, to bear on our plans and our purposes. And if we are not asking, we are not knowing. Notice the focus here is understanding. It's knowing. When we talk to God, you know, some people, well, you know, God's never really answered any of my prayers. That's just simply not true. He may have answered them in a way that you don't like, that is most certainly true. He does that to me all the time. Well, God, you know, I think at times we've all joined the Whiners for Jesus Club. I ask him, he didn't tell Just because you're whining doesn't mean you're not winning. Amen. Sometimes you you, you kind of got to go through the process of asking God some things and Him telling you no, just like your children. If you have children, you understand this. Your children ask you for things that you're not going to give them. Amen? Dad, I want a Ferrari. <laughs> so do I, but you're not getting it either. 
you know, there are things that we ask God for that he just simply is not going to give us. And we think, oh, he doesn't care, he doesn't love me. No, it's because he loves us that he doesn't answer every prayer in the affirmative. You see, as we pray, we really need to look at at our lives much like that expensive sports car, and whether it's a Ferrari or a Lamborghini or, you know, some car that you've looked at on, you know, the Speed Channel or something, you go, man, I'd love to drive one of those. Now, you ladies, maybe not so much. I know my wife likes sports cars. But us guys, I mean, we look at those cars and we're just like, man, I would love to drive. Just get in it and drive it. But you see, there's, there's, there's some things you have to do before you get it in and drive it. Amen? It can look really good on the outside. It can have the batteries charged. But there's no oil in the engine. You ain't getting nowhere. Amen? You might even be able to start it. Run it for about five, six minutes, and then you're going to hear as the engine seizes. That's our life without prayer. You can get started. You can get moving. May even look really good on the outside. But if you're not praying, your machine is not going to be well oiled. It's not going to be well lubricated, and it won't run very long before you burn up. You're going to have no power. You're going to have no purpose. Your plans are going to seem like, where did I come up with these? You need to be praying. It's the oil that keeps the machine of God running and running smoothly. And without it, you're toast. The enemy's going to come in. He's going to fill your mind with just simply busy thoughts. And before you know it, you're going to be wondering, how did I get here? And how come this thing isn't running well? You need to be a person of prayer. Let me challenge you with the question. If this church, and I'm talking this specific church, us, Calvary Chapel of Running Springs, depended on your prayer to keep running, would it keep running? Would your pastor have the time he needs to study? Would all the positions that need to be filled be filled because you sought the Lord in prayer? Would every need be met? Would every missionary have their monthly support on time because we've prayed for it? Would the hungry be fed? Would all, if it depended on your prayers, would it happen? Or does it happen in spite of your prayer? I challenge you with that. I challenge myself with that. It's a challenge we need to hear. Paul saw the big picture, and he prayed about the big picture, not just his little world. Remember, he's writing from prison. He could have said, hey, why don't you guys pray for me? He could have started this whole thing off with, man, I'm in prison. Ah, Help! But instead, he says, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Verse 17, he says, I keep on asking, and I'm reading from the New International Version, I keep on asking that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Can I ask you a simple question? How do you get to know people? And I'm talking know people. you got to spend time with them, don't you? Do you know somebody? Do you know George Washington? The answer is, no, you don't know George Washington. You know about George Washington. 
Any person that you've ever read their life story in a history book or a biography, you do not know them. You know about them. So even studying God's Word, as important as it is, is not sufficient for you to know God. You have to spend time with Him. And the way we do that is in prayer. It's like, Lord... I want to know. I want to sit down with somebody and have a conversation with them. You see, I know my wife because we sit across the table from one another. We spend time together. We go places and do things together. We order the same things often because we actually know each other so well. Yeah, I'm going to have that too. Just two of them. Doesn't even get out of her. What kind of food do you want? I don't know. And it comes out exactly the same. You see, if you spend time with someone, you actually know them. Paul's doing that with the Lord. He's spending time with the Lord. And this is where that personal prayer life comes into view. You've got to stop long enough to get to know him. And so do I. You see, you're not going to have much of the Holy Spirit. You're certainly not going to have much of the Lord. You're not going to have much of Jesus Christ in you unless you take time to sit down with them and get to know them in a personal, intimate way. God, what do you think? What do you want? How should I act? Where should I go? You get the picture? You see, these are simple things that we often forget is a part of our relationship with the Lord. I want a relationship with Him. I don't simply want to know You know, God expects this, 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 and this. And I'm supposed to do this, 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 and this in response. That you get from just simply knowledge. You do not get that from a relationship. A relationship tells you why those things are the way they are and how it affects the rest of your life and what comes as a result of those things. Those things are praying for knowing. And we need to pray to know the Lord. And he says in Revelation, he he wants to reveal himself to you. He also says in wisdom, he wants to help you to use the knowledge you have about him correctly. A lot of people know God's holy. And they err in two ways. One is legalism. Well, he's holy, so I'm going to go over here and just do all these things and I'll make myself perfectly okay with God. And then people also err over here in libertinism because they know God's a God of grace. Amen? Well, it doesn't matter what I do because God's a God of grace. You see, he wants you to know how to use that understanding correctly. That's wisdom. Those two things can't be pulled apart. You can have knowledge of God and not know what to do with it. That's where a relationship comes in. And asking him, well, how would you have me do that in this situation? Because you see, there are times when both those things are actually acceptable answers to a specific situation. Let me give you one that's easy to understand. Someone comes to me and, and they go, Jeff, I really stumbled last night, you know, and I went out and I got drunk. And it's the first time that I've ever heard that in that person's life. And we sit down and we pray for God's mercy and His grace to be upon them. And I say, you know what? Go, brother, sister, and sin no more. But the 19th time, that ain't how I pray. 
would you like to spend eternity in hell? Because you're showing with your actions that you don't have the Holy Spirit in you. You you see, uh, the same knowledge exists at both places, but the application of it, because I know what God's saying, because I know him, he's going to say, you know what? You need to have a little firmer hand this time. I get that by praying for knowledge in the Spirit on how to use those things I know about God correctly. Wisdom. We get that through our prayer life. The difference in all of this is spending time with the Lord. Verse 18, it says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light, the New Living Translation says. Amen. Because you're going to get darkness. Remember our proverb this morning? Darkness is there. The plans of the wicked are there. Lots of things to, to take your eyes off of heaven are available to you. And so he says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called. According to his holy people who are his rich and his glorious inheritance. And he says, I also pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power. In other words, one and the same is the power source in all of that. He's praying these intensely deep personal things. If he's the light of the world, don't we want more light in us? If he is the one that helps us differentiate between good and evil, don't we want to know what good is and evil is both? We need to ask him. Because there's a lot of competition for your mind, amen? There's a lot of competition for your heart. Are you asking God? Are you seeking Him? And when that opportunity comes up, Lord, is this in the light or is this in darkness? Is this going to be beneficial for the kingdom or is this going to cause people to be stumbled? You see, God will give you that answer. Problem is, a lot of times we don't want that answer, amen, because we've already made up in our mind, you know, here's the situation, and, you know, I really like these people, and I, I kind of want to go to this thing, and then the information comes, and you don't have the prayerful boldness to say, you know what, Lord, what do you want me to do? You've made up your mind already. We need to be far more open to the Lord changing our already made up minds than I think most of us really are. How often the Lord wants to speak, but we aren't listening. Part of being a good prayer is being a good listener. Can I tell you that? you got to listen. You ever been around that person that can't shut up long enough for you to get a word in edgewise? That's you sometimes when you pray. It's like, you know, and all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're wondering why you're not hearing anything because your lips are going. Your spiritual lips are going. You know, it's your mind. It's, your, it's, a, it's a combination of those three things, those three parts that you are. Your physical lips, your mind, which is that mental part of you, and the spiritual side of you, which is your spirit. You're so busy yakking that you're not listening. And God's going, are you done? I'd like to tell you something. Are you done? He's the light of the world. And, and there's three things here that you can see in this passage. There's hope that he's called you to. That's one thing. There are riches in his glory, glorious inheritance in the saints. And he has incom- incomparably great power. There are three, when you're talking to God, there are some wonderful things that are yours when you're asking him. 
Paul prayed that they'd be enlightened in the truth, the hope of their future. You see, when I look at life through what I know is my future, it's a whole lot differently that I see the world that I live in. Because I realize that this this earthly tent that I'm in, this is not the only body that I'm ever going to have. It's the one I have right here, right now, for 80, 90 years, if I live a long life. But there are some future things that I'm going to inherit that are far greater than the, the things that I see today. So I have an eternal perspective in my prayer life. The second thing, he's asking that they would be enlightened about the truth of the riches. You see, sometimes we walk in spiritual poverty because we haven't really looked at the riches that we have in Christ. We don't have an eternal view, and we don't look at ourselves as rich kids who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We look at ourselves as spiritually poor. Kind of paupers, if you will. That's not what the Lord wants for you. Not saying that every single thing you've ever wanted you're going to have, but all that you have need of in Christ Jesus is yours. It's already yours. We've already seen that in the first 14 verses. And then thirdly, he prays that they'd be enlightened about this incomparably great power that's in us who believe. I want you to look at the words that are used here, power, working, mighty, and strength. There are actually four different Greek words. The word power is the Greek word dunamis, and it means absolutely uh, capable and has great potential. We get our English word dynamite from this same Greek root word. Extreme power. And so he says you have that kind of power. He also uses the word working, which is the Greek word energian from which we get our word, our word energy. It means effective or active power. When you turn on the light switch, you expect power to come on. Amen? That's energy. He uses the word mighty or might. That's the Greek word kratos. And it means the force to overcome. Are you getting the picture here? When you're praying, you're not praying, well, I hope I get, I'm okay. I hope it works out. God, I'm a pauper. And I... I I just don't know. The fourth word is translated strength. It's issues. And from that word, we get our word muscular strength. In other words, the power that you have in yourself. And so what he's saying, as you pray, that power is available. Dynamic power, energetic power, forceful power, physical power. You want power in your life? You need to pray for power. Not pray for stuff. Pray for power. Pray for the light to go on. Pray for you to have the visibility of the things in the unseen world. God is on your side. He wants to help. God's power is not ever stagnant. It just at times is not applied because we haven't asked. How many people sit around they haven't even asked God what He thinks or what He wants to do? We need to pray for God's power to be applied to those things in our life. It's only God's power that can change us as weak human beings. It's only God's power that can defeat the enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? So how much power will you have if you don't ask for his? You'll have exactly what you possess in and of yourself, which is not much relative to Satan. Amen? Is not much relative to the world. Amen? 
is not much relative to the cumulative power that the world has in the rest of the people that are here. You get the picture? So if you want to be successful in your endeavors in the Lord, you need to pray for His power, not yours. He uses some examples here that are pretty important. Verse 20 The power, all four of those component parts, that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in the place of honor in God's right hand in heavenly realms. That same power that you're asking for raised Christ from the dead. Amen? I think that's pretty powerful stuff. I don't know about you, but it kind of beats out solar panels. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It's it's beyond nuclear. This is real power. It exalted Christ to the highest position in the heavens. Appoints Him to the head of the church. Think about it. Some of us in this room, I can tell by looking at you, we were around in Muhammad Ali's heyday. Amen? We watched the thriller in Manila, okay? What do you think would happen to you if you're in the crowd and all of a sudden somebody picks you out? Hey, uh, Ken Norton didn't show up. You're boxing the champ. You're like, what? You get in the ring with Muhammad Ali. I just drop my hands, let him knock me out and get it over with, okay? Yeah, he's the undisputed heavyweight champion. He's going to win. However little different position when he's in your corner. Amen? And you come into the ring, you stand in the ring, you go sit on the stool, and behind you is Muhammad Ali in his prime. And the other boxer gets in the other corner. He is the forkethorn one, old Satan. And he's taunting, and he's doing those little stupid dances that they do, you know, kind of shuffle around and kind of jabbing at the air. And and, uh, you just say, well, you're not even worth worrying about. Could you go knock him out? That's who you are in Christ. You don't need your power. You've got a guy behind you and in front of you and beside you and above you and below you that's able to take out anybody, anywhere, anytime. All you've got to do is go, can't win this one. You need to fight it for me. Little different situation, is it not? So whose side do you want to be on? Do you want to be on the side that says, I think I can beat the one who has the power? Or do you want the power of the one who can win in your corner? It's all a matter of perspective. How do you pray? You see, if you don't want the fear and trembling, then you need to ask. Amen? Say, Lord, I I need you to fight this battle. And so he says in these last few verses, notice these few things. For now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else. Not only in this world, but in the world to come. Amen? Why do you think Paul would write there in in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can overcome you? No weapon fashioned against you can prosper. There is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Whether it's in heaven or in hell or on this earth, there is zero things that can defeat Him. You see, we need that in prayer. I don't have that power, and neither do you. But He does. 
And so he says, if you want to have that type of authority in the visible world and the invisible world, because right now you're all subject to entropy, amen? Second law of thermodynamics states that all things tend towards decay. You're not getting better, you're getting worse. Anybody that tells you they're getting better with age has not looked in the mirror. Oh, that's bad. It's true for star systems. It's true with our planet. It's true with our ecology. It's true with your car. It's true with everything. Even though you've been told by Al Gore that all water bottles will last a million years, they too will decay eventually. You see, everything tends towards decay. So the net result is the world and everything in it is dying. So don't you want to be tapped into the one who won't ever die? Because the stuff in this world's out of here sooner or later. But we who are in Christ, though we die, we shall live. We ask for that power in prayer. For God has put all things under the authority of Christ, verse 22 says has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. So when you look at your life, I look at my life. I I want Christ's headship in my life. In order to have that, I need a relationship. And if I have a relationship, then I can ask him for the things that he sees in my life he wants to put there. Not just the things I declare I need. That's why when your Bible tells you there in the book of Philippians that my God, your God, our God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, it does not say all your wants. It doesn't say everything you ask for. It doesn't say everything everyone else has. It says your needs, my needs, and who determines what those are? Him. He's over everything. He's above all things. He looks at the beginning of the parade, the end of the parade. He's got the blimp view. He's looking at it with that Super Bowl camera. You see, what he's saying is as he is the head of all things, he knows exactly how to answer those prayers. And if you ask him, he'll tell you. But if you don't ask him, you get to try and figure it out on your own. And for me... That didn't work all that well. Probably hasn't for you either. And that's why we need power in prayer. And it says there finally in verse 23, and the church is his body. It's filled by Christ who fills everything everywhere with his presence. You see, we're part of something that we should want to fill with more Jesus. Amen? We don't need more Jeff. We don't need more of you. One of me is enough for the world, okay? That's just, just get that out of the way. Don't need more of you. One of you is enough for the world. You're unique and wonderful, but we don't need more of you. Just want to make that clear. As a church, we need more Jesus, amen? So if we put into you and ask for 
more power in Christ, and into me, more power in Christ, and into each of us, more power in Christ, and more of his character, and more of his dynamic, what happens to the world? It gets more filled with Jesus. That's a really good thing, and exactly what we're supposed to be praying for. Not, Lord, replicate me because I'm so wonderful. Not, Lord, you, you, you know how fantastic that person is. We just had more people like him or her. It, it's wonderful to see an example of someone following Christ, but what we need is more Jesus. And you can take a dead, doomed, and depraved person and fill them with Jesus, and they're going to have a tremendous impact in the world that they live in. You can take an already filled person who has lots of gifts with little Jesus, and they will make very little impact in the world. Oh, they may make billions of dollars. They may affect many millions of people's lives. But eternally, gone like that. Let's pray for that kind of power. Amen? And ask the Lord to use us through that power. Take our gifts and skills and talents, certainly, and use them to the fullest. But we need more Jesus. And in order to have that, we need to know him. And the only way to know him is to pray with him, talk to him, spend time with him. And if we do that, then we become his hands, his feet, his muscles, his tendons, his voice. And the world is better for it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time this morning. And God, I thank you for these blessed saints who... This morning, desire these things, and we pray that, God, you would fill us with all the goodness, the plorema, as your word declares, the fullness of Christ. Lord, may all that you are fill us with all that we can be. Lord, use us for your plans, your purposes, your glory, your kingdom. Cause the blind to see and the lame to walk, Lord, because your power is in us. Lord Jesus, we've resigned to know nothing but you crucified for the remission of sin. And God, that as we walk in that newness of life, that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We bless you. We praise you. We thank you for these things. And we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Let's worship our King. Won't you stand?